Wait a minute, I hear something. Hello everybody, what's happening? What's going on? Happy Halloween! This is my Halloween episode uh, for different reasons. Uh, decided to release this one on Halloween and I'll tell you why. Because not only is this my favorite werewolf movie of all time, but it's also my must watch on Halloween. Uh, there's, there's something about the setting of this, I don't know, because of, you know, the, the, the early shots in the movie, and it's cold, and they're in the moors, and they got their jackets on, it just kind of gives me that, that October Halloween feeling, where it's cold and chilly, a little bit damp, um, especially this year, this year it's, uh, currently 46 degrees, so, uh, yeah, we're right there at, at this point. So we are talking about American Werewolf in London. It should be no surprise if you've been listening to the show that this is my favorite. And there's several reasons why. Um, obviously, the first thing you think of this movie is the effects. But there's, there's a lot more to this that I really like that goes beyond the special effects, which is a huge part of any werewolf movie, right? Because if you... Listen to the the other episodes that I've done with the werewolf stuff. A lot of it depended on special effects. That was kind of the the culprit or, or you know or not of the movie. But you know it's more than the special effects for this one for me. So yes, 1981, right? Same year as Wolfen. Same year as The Howling. Uh, just a busy werewolf year. Um, let's see. Directed by the great John Landis, of course. Uh, who's done several movies that I really need to talk about on here. I I really love Innocent Blood. I need to bring that one up and talk about it. Um, Let's see. Wow, this this has got stuff scattered all over the place. It's a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, You know, I rate it higher than that, but that's just me. Let's try to do a synopsis and not crash the car, shall we? Uh, David and Jack, or two American college students, are backpacking through Britain when a large werewolf or a large wolf attacks them. David survives with a bite, but Jack is brutally killed. As David heals in the hospital, he's plagued by violent nightmares that he is becoming a werewolf. When David discovers the horrible truth, he contemplates committing suicide before the next full moon causes him to trans- uh, transform from man to a murderous beast. Does he really cons- consider suicide? I don't, I don't know that he really, you know, contemplates it. I mean, he's got some people that are encouraging him, which is a big reason why to watch this movie. Uh, do we not have reason why to watch on here? I mean, come on. It's American Werewolf in London. Okay, here we go. Why to watch? It tells me that I'll love it because recommended based on your search behavior that I would love it. So, we already know that to be a fact. Uh, and obviously you have to bring up the fact that the Academy Award for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. <laughs> we won an award for hairstyling with a werewolf. All right. 
three words for you. Intense, frightening, and thrilling. Didn't know that. There's uh, another one that says it's thrilling, funny, shockingly, uh, shocking, tragic, well-made, and it holds up for nearly 40 years later. It holds up near 40 years later. Yep. Uh, American Werewolf in London is was really funny and really gory with amazing practical effects and terrific performances. Totally agree. Uh, where the other movies kind of lack, this one kind of sews it up together better. Uh, that's just my personal opinion of this movie. An entertaining, offbeat uh, creation brimming with atmospheric atmosphere and dread that is undeniably landmark of the genre. Yes. Again, that's it's it's hitting all those things that fit into the folklore, the imagery of what you expect, but then again, it, it kind of flips it on its ear. So it's kind of cleverly done in a way that, that gets away from a few of the, the tropes of what you think with a werewolf movie, and you're going, wait a minute, is that true? Well, yeah, it, it does. Uh, and we'll talk about it as we go along. What a cast. Uh, I mean, come on. David Naughton. Well, how convenient that uh, his name is David in the movie, too, right? So, uh, and I, one of the things that I love about this movie is the innocence of, of Jack and David, right? Uh, even David's character throughout this movie, with everything that's going on, there's still a an innocence of what's going on. Uh, so David Naughton plays David Kessler. I mean, come on. I mean, David Naughton. I mean, I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, right? He's the Dr. Pepper guy. Uh, <laughs> he also recorded the disco hit, Making It, na, 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 Making It, right? No more, no more faking it. Uh, he's just one of those kind of 70s guys that just, you know, kind of hit his heyday there, and then all of a sudden he's in this movie, and then he, he just kind of stopped. Um, but, you know, he gets injured, he gets put in hospital, and and uh, we've got Jenny Ugger as his nurse. Now, if you were going to be sick, this would be the nurse you'd want to have, I think, in my personal opinion, right? Especially mid-70s to late-80s, or mid-80s Jenny Ugger, right? Um, who becomes kind of the, the love interest, who ironically is named Alex, so that's kind of cool. Um... Like I said, Griffin, Griffin Dunn's in this uh, from uh, Johnny Dangerously. It's the other big thing I think of. Uh, I can't hit all of these. Rick Mayall's in this, right? The the young ones. Uh, Bottom. Uh, you know. Uh, Drop Dead Fred. You know. Rick Mayall. Uh, Brian Glover, which is somebody I love. Uh course he's also kind of tied into Rick Mayall he's, he shows up in a lot of his performances a lot of his shows uh, we got Frank Oz in this Yoda himself right Miss Piggy himself Fozzie the bear himself B Miss Piggy herself I'll get it right here in a minute uh, again the list goes on and on what's, what's another one we can hit here uh, Sidney Bromley plays Alf he's one of the homeless people that's in this movie uh, from Dragon Slayer, from uh, a never-ending story. And again, uh, it, it just kind of goes on and on here. Lots of big hitters in this. 
can't get to all of them, right? Because I'm trying to drive. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about this one, right? We all know this movie. If you don't know this movie, turn this off. Go watch it immediately. It's just only the best werewolf movie ever made. And I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that way. Now, I think, I think it kind of gets overlooked because it has been the werewolf movie for so long that we've kind of moved on from that. And we've gone to more action-packed type werewolf movies. And that's totally fine. I get it. But the beauty of this movie is taking what made the original Wolfman so good, modernizing it, and then throwing Rick Baker's effects on there, and just the incredible dark humor of John Landis on top of it. This is just a great film. Um, he, you know, the, the, the two guys are walking, they go to the bar out in the middle of nowhere, the slaughtered lamb. And uh, they noticed a pentagram on the wall. They ask about it, and it draws a hush in the, in the bar. Obviously, they know that they don't belong there, so they leave, and they get a warning from the people there of, stay on the path, beware of the moon, yada yada, right? Things do not end well, where Jack ends up getting killed, and David gets injured. He's in the hospital, and... The thing about it is the people at the bar, the bartender's like, we've got to go after him because they start hearing the howling, right? And they rush afterwards, but they're really kind of too late. But uh, they end up shooting whatever it is that attacks him. But when David turns his head to look, there's a naked dude over there that's got bullet holes in him, right? Setting the whole thing up. And uh, that's kind of where this thing starts kicking into gear because David's coming too. You've got Frank Oz coming in there who's obviously in touch with uh, American grounds and he's trying to make sure that the kid's taken care of because he comes from kind of a wealthy family. Uh, so there's contact there through the embassy and Dave starts having these visions of his buddy um, coming back and visiting him and Jack is obviously all tore up. And so here's the thing that makes this movie unique. One, you've got the dreams, right? He's having the dreams that are making him believe he's becoming something that he's not. You also get the dream within a dream thing, which really caught me off guard at a young age. Blew my mind. That scene alone, if, if, if you had a whole movie and nothing else happened but just that scene, that was enough. Uh, I still don't understand why... The creatures that come to his door are dressed as, like, Nazis, German soldiers. I, I don't know. If anybody can clarify the meaning behind all that, let me know, because I don't know. But here's the thing about this movie that separates it from everything else. Yes, you've got the effects. Yes, you've got the great direction. Yes, you've got a great cast. But the thing about this is the guilt, and it's double guilt, Right? Because normally, the guilt that you get in a werewolf movie is the fact that I'm going to become something that I'm not and kill people. The guilt in this goes even deeper because not only do you kill people, but now they're the living dead. And they haunt you. That puts a whole different spin on this thing of, you know, them coming up and telling them, hey, you, you, the bloodline has to stop. Right? You intermingle all of this with... John Landis's idea of taking classic rock songs 
or pop songs and tying them in just like we do with uh, Mr. Sandman with, with Michael Myers, right? I can't hear, you know, Bad Moon on the Rise, Blue Moon, all these songs and not think of this movie, right? The impact they have. Not to mention the, the TV shows, they all kind of end up focusing on, you know, stuff that, that ties into the story as well. Uh, the fact that his buddy keeps coming back and telling him, you, you have to die. The fact that uh, David tells Alex that, you know, he brings up the Wolfman. And he's talking about, if you remember what happens there, his dad ends up having to kill him in the original version of the Wolfman. And he says, I believe love is the only thing that can kill the werewolf. So it throws the whole silver bullet thing out the window that we end up using as a trope for every other werewolf movie, pretty much. This one throws that out, and it's more about it has to be somebody who has compassion for you to kill you, which really takes this to another place, right? Uh, this movie is completely fun with, uh, you know, the fact that he wakes up the next day in the zoo and he's naked with the wolves and he's you know running around and puts on a woman's coat and he's trying to stand and get on the bus or the subway whatever it is uh you know all this funny stuff you got his relationship with alex that really makes this movie tick you got the effects you've got the scene in the subway right the metro where the business guy is walking and you get... I, I really compare it to the first time you see the shark in Jaws, right? Because they, they do that classic thing again. And I think that's the reason people kind of overlook this one again is because you only see the werewolf in pieces up until the end, right? Which is classic monster-making movie. That's just the way you did it. Now with CGI, you throw them in at the very beginning and there's no surprise anymore. It is what it is. It either looks good or it looks bad. And you just live with it. Whereas here, it all comes down to the end and you really see the work that's put into this thing. But you get this overhead view where the guy's running from the wolf and he, or the werewolf, and he jumps on the escalator and he's laying down and it's, it's pulling him up and he, and he looks down and you get an overhead shot, just like the shark in Jaws. The first time you see the shark, it's an overhead crane shot where you finally get to see the scale of how big the shark is to a person, which is catastrophic. It's my favorite shot in Jaws. It does the same thing here. So John Landis pulling a little bit from Jaws. He probably won't think of it that way, but that's exactly what this is because they come from the same theater group anyways. Uh, that shot still just blows me away because it, it, again showing you the scope and I don't know just just a great setup right you get the first night of attacks they're all bloody nasty the transformation is iconic there is not a more iconic transformation scene in the history of film if you like it or not it is the most iconic it won a freaking academy award there you go. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, you know, I prefer my werewolves to stand up on the hind legs like the Howling or uh, Dog Soldiers. But 
this one is different enough. And I always wondered about, you know, the idea of the way it looks. Did the original werewolf look like this too, or is it just because it's a different bloodline, something different? I always kind of wondered about that. Maybe I wonder too much, but I think pound for pound, besides the fact that werewolf doesn't stand up right, this is still the greatest werewolf movie ever made. And it just delivers on every point. But I think it's become passe because we all know it's the best movie. We just tend to like something else because you're told it's the best movie, right? And other movies do some things better, but I think as a whole, you don't have any of those movies without this one. Um, even with The Howling coming out first, this one kind of wrote the story of how you do a werewolf, right? And that's why it's really hard. I can, I can almost go back and forth between this one and The Howling just due to, to the fact of how much I like the story of both of them. But I still have to hand it to this movie because it, it really just changed the genre. And I think when we see horror movies that have this kind of dark comedy to them, this one as well just delivers that so well. So, uh, and not to mention the, the, the whole ending uh, <laughs> in the adult theater that happens, the transformation there, the claws coming out of the, of, of the fingers. Uh, it's just... It's just top-notch, y'all. I mean, I think the other thing, too, is even in The Howling, when uh, when you have the transformation there, it's still got some lighting things going on there where you can't see everything totally, whereas Rick Baker totally changed it and did everything in broad daylight. Well, it's not daylight, but the lights are on in the house, and you see everything up close and personal, and it's painful. And I think that's that gave it a whole different aspect we'd never seen before where he is crying out in pain. Uh, we've never seen that before. They either were lying still <laughs> and make the change or they just turn their head and start doing growling noises. But the fact that he's in excruciating pain takes this to another place. I mean, again, there's so many reasons that, that make this the best. And the one that we still refer to, right? Um, I, I really don't know what else to say. Uh, I think this is still a top-notch movie. I still think the effects are absolutely incredible. Uh, you know how they did some of it now because we had the VHS boom and we were able to stop the video and slow it down and watch over and over. We've seen documentaries. But when this came out and you didn't have any of that stuff absolutely mind-blowing and everybody's tried to catch Rick Baker ever since right um, just iconic work St and I, I can't say it enough about the cast right the cast makes this thing work you could even have kind of a crappy werewolf in this and this movie would still work pretty well just because you've got such an awesome cast in it uh, the list goes on and on folks um, you may disagree with me and that is totally fine but for me, pound for pound, and the legacy that's built off of this, we still haven't returned to the glory of what American Werewolf is. I keep thinking one of these days we're going to end up remaking this. 
let's not even bring up the sequel, right? Because, man, uh, there, there you go. There's your, hey, we got all these CGI we can do now. And, whoo, not good. Um, I don't know. This is just a well-put-together movie. Uh, five out of five for me all day long. Like I said, it is my must-watch on Halloween. It, it's, it's, it, it may sound weird to people, but this is the movie that I grab. When it's Halloween and I'm home and it starts getting dark, I turn down the lights. This is my go-to movie. So there you go. This worked out perfectly because I didn't plan it this way. You know, Dan Dan Bone gave the recommendation to do the, the, the werewolf movies, and it just so happens this is my go-to Halloween movie. So thanks again, Dan. You, you, you made the magic work. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it for this one. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Let me know your favorite right spit them out i'm i'm not saying anyone is you know better than the other based on any other reasons these are just my personally my favorites and uh would be glad to hear your list give me your top three four five whatever let's see them all right folks that's it for this one happy halloween and y'all have a good one and we will check you later